Welcome to another Aflame teaching session. We hope you enjoy this special message by Hank Kleinschmidt. What I want to do this morning, I want to really just briefly, I really want to keep it short, and then I want to get very practical, hopefully. And hopefully... I heard him ride, and he's going to do what he told me, which would be fantastic. <laughs> um, but, you know, even in the worship this morning, and I'll give some, I'll probably prophesy over a couple of you, but, uh, but even in the worship, I, like everywhere I looked in the room, I just saw silver. Like I saw silver on people, silver everywhere. My hands are actually full of silver stuff the whole weekend. I don't know why. And um, I'm sorry if you don't like that. It's also not my fault. I didn't do it, right? So apologies if that offended you. Not really. <laughs> but it's a polite thing to say. <laughs> but silver speaks of redemption. It speaks of restoration. right? And it's profound that it's this morning for me, that it's just showing up in such a glorious way, right? Because I know there's redemption needed in bodies. Physical Redemption. There's redemption needed in families, in marriages, in households, in businesses. There's redemption needed. And I believe it's available this morning, right? It's, I believe it's in the atmosphere. And I really felt like the Lord said that the God who heals is here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, Lord, we just allow that thickness of who you are to fill the room. Yeah. Remember we spoke last night, those of you who weren't here, but we spoke about Isaiah 25 and, and lots of other things that I can't necessarily put together now. But, um, but the thing about Isaiah 25, it spoke about a veil of death that lies over the nations, which, which hinders people from seeing the Lord for who He really is, right? And we have the privilege, yeah, we have the privilege as sons of God to remove that veil. That is our great joy in life, is to step onto the scene and actually remove it by displaying God in power and in nature. Right? You must remember that the, the early church, when they spoke about God, they, they kind of summarized, which is impossible, but when you speak about who He is, they always spoke about two things. They spoke about the nature of God and what they called the energies of God. So it's nature and power, the character of God and the power of God. And those two things must flow out of us to represent Him well, right? Yeah. So it's character and power, both. It's not a, you, you can't separate. If you look at the gospel, it's impossible to separate His power from His character or His character from His power, right? They're always walking together. So that's what they believed. And and for us as a company of people, we need to be those ones that will step onto the scene and reveal His nature and power, right? Many of us are good at the nature part sometimes, or let, let me rephrase that. Many of us are more comfortable in pursuing uh, manifesting His nature. But sometimes when it comes to power, we feel inadequate or whatever it might be or afraid, or disappointed, or it didn't work last time, right? So, but both of those are necessary to be a good representation of who He is, 
because that's who Jesus was. Nature and power, both of those were always flowing through him, right? And we've got to be the same kind of people. And we spoke last night about Acts 2.22, where it speaks of, of, of miracles, signs and wonders. You know, where, where how God attested Jesus, how the Father attested to Jesus by, the, by performing miracles, signs and wonders in the presence of the people. Right, so there's something about miracles, signs and wonders that is necessary in the body of Christ that's part of a display and it's part of a power statement that we make in the spirit against the principalities and powers of evil to basically say, listen, um, I know what you have, but what we have trumps that every single time, right? And I'm sorry, but the world needs a church that's filled with power. Yeah. We need a powerful church, right? Not hyped up, but powerful. That's what we need, right? So I want to give you maybe like one, I don't know, things. I always like wish I'm one of those guys that can say, I'm going to give you three keys to miracles. But it never works like that because I will say three and then it's one or then I'll say three and it's six. So I'm just going to shut up. I'm just going to say I'm going to give you some stuff, right, hopefully. So after which you can tell me how many there were, all right? Okay, but I want to keep it brief and then hopefully we can do it. All right, is that okay? <laughs> All right, so I want you to open your Bibles in Hebrews chapter 2. Uh, we're going to start there. Um, verse 1 to 4. Why am I reading verse 1 and 2? Because I just like it. Right. Not really applicable to what I want to talk about, but it's beautiful. It says, for this reason... I'm reading the Amplified, so there's extra stuff, okay? For this reason, that is because of God's final revelation in His Son, Jesus, and because of Jesus' superiority to the angels. So good that they put that in there, right? I love angels. I see them. I think it's dumb not to partner with them, but they're not Jesus, okay? Right? And in fact, if I read my Bible correctly, they're actually inferior to us. You know how Paul just says weird stuff sometimes and you go, and he says it kind of like, don't you know? Like he mentioned it, don't you know that you're going to judge angels one day? Oh, what? No, I didn't know that, Paul. Actually, I did not know that. But it's in the Bible. He says, don't you know that you're going to judge angels one day? Right? So if we are judging angels, I'm guessing it might mean that we have superior authority, which is a frightening idea. Because I sometimes think they look at us and go, what is wrong with you folks? Like, I don't know why he loves you that much. It doesn't even make sense to me. Fragile little thing, right? But we're going to judge them one day, right? Isn't that awesome? I don't know if it's awesome. I don't get it, but it's interesting. We uh, We must pay much closer attention than ever to the things which we have heard so that we do not in any way drift away from truth. That's probably a good principle right there. Let's not drift away from truth, right? And a lot of miracle signs and wonders is rooted in the simplicity of the gospel. The simpler you keep it, the easier it flows. I'm going to show it to you now. It's just simple gospel truth. That's it, right? For if the message given through angels, that's now speaking about the law given to Moses, was authentic and unalterable, And every violation and disobedient act received an appropriate penalty. How will we escape the penalty if we ignore such a great salvation? 
That is frightening to me, to be quite honest, that verse. Like, I don't want to get lost. I don't want to get sidetracked. But what he's basically saying is, listen, if, if the law that came down by the administration of angels carried so much glory and authority and power, and you were judged, penalized so heavily if you stepped out of line, what will happen if you disregard the new covenant of the Lord? How much worse will judgment be, right? So for us sitting here that's born again, if you think about somebody that's not born again, this should go through your mind. What on earth is going to happen at the second coming? Because all we have at this season is postponed judgment. You understand that? It's just postponed. But then he comes, right? So how much more severe will that be if when you were a teenager in the old covenant and you backchatted your parents, they stone you? <laughs> Basically, right? And he's saying, listen, guys, there's a greater reality coming. I don't want to get stuck there. All right, let's move on. But it's just a thought. Ponder on it. Use it, don't use it. <laughs> just throw it in there. For it was spoken at first by the Lord and it was confirmed to us and proved authentic by those who personally heard him speak. And besides this evidence, God is also testifying with them, confirming the what? The message of salvation, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by granting to believers the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Isn't that powerful? So he's saying that angels brought this thing down. That was amazing. It's the law. It's a greater covenant. But then he says, but this thing we're speaking about, it's called the gospel, right? It's called the new covenant. It's called the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the cross, the whole story. He says this thing is going to be attested to. It's going to be affirmed by the Lord through what? Wonders and miracles and various gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay, I need you to get that this morning. He is attesting His Word. It's not you. He's not approving me or you when He does a miracle or a sign or a wonder. He's approving His message of salvation, of the gospel, of the born-again life through miracles, signs, wonders, and various gifts. Now, one day maybe I'll go with you into each one of those things because there's a lot there. I don't have time today. But I need you to see that, that his desire is to perform these things because he's attesting to his own message. You don't have, it's not about me and you having to work this thing up. Do you understand? He actually wants to do it. Okay, are you hearing me? He wants to perform miracles, signs, and wonders. He wants to flow with his gifts through you. Why? Because he's seeing a lost and broken world. So firstly, he sees a lost and a broken world. Secondly, he sees a church that needs a faith upgrade and that's why he performs miracles in their midst. Because what does it say in John 2? He performed this to what? Reveal himself, to glorify himself. The first miracle, water into wine. I've mentioned this a couple of times. Secondly, so that the disciples will have faith. So the purpose 
is a, f- a company that will rise in faith and actually start looking at problems and go, oh, we can, we can handle this because he's affirming his word, right? But what is this word? That's important. The point is, this is the simplicity of it, is when we keep the focus on salvation, when we keep the focus on the message of the cross and Jesus and resurrection and eternal life, miracles, signs and wonders accompany, yeah. right? So the message is really the key, okay? That's why when, when stuff in the Bible like life and death is in the power of the tongue, it's actually not a joke because you are carrying a realm around you. You know, just we're so foolish sometimes. I mean, me in, let's, I'm so foolish sometimes when you feel better, right? But I kind of look at myself and I'm, I'm talking here and I, I'm talking, you know, the problem and blah, 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 and it's so rough and no cure. And then I step out and, oh, you have COVID? All right, yeah, no, I'm going to pray for you, man. We've got this thing fixed, right? But I've just been bashing everything that sounds like faith in that corner. <laughs> and now I'm coming here. No, Jesus has got this, don't worry. But then I go back and he doesn't have me, man, but he'll surely have you. How does that even work, Right? It's not a a consistent message that's flowing out of us. It's not consistent in in faith what we release out of our mouths. We must be those that speak life. This weekend, I've been speaking life to you, right? I've been speaking life over and over. I know the problems. I can easily talk about them. But I've chosen to switch into life and to keep on releasing life, 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 glory, 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 right? That's what we do. And as we do it, it's like heaven starts responding to that message and miracles, signs and wonders are being released, right? And that realm of the impossible, you create that around you. So when we want to see more of that, we must speak the message of salvation, right? What happened in Acts 10.44? While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell and all those who were listening to the message um, were baptized in the Spirit. While Peter was still speaking these words, what was he speaking about? The simple gospel. He was explaining to Gentiles who Jesus was and about the outpouring of the Spirit. And while Peter was speaking about these things, God crashed in. Right? Because he was lifting the Lord. He was lifting the message, the very heart of the Father, the whole goal of Jesus coming to earth. He was keeping that thing high in front of the people. He was keeping it lifted in his own heart. And the Father goes, you're honoring my son and I will honor you for doing that. And heaven filled the room. I don't know if I said it to you last time, but you've got to remember this. Old covenant, we come, the people came, People come and we make a sacrifice before the Lord and we hope that the Father will accept, right? You made a mistake, you slaughter something and you hope that He'll accept the sacrifice, that it will be a pleasing aroma to Him, right? New covenant. The Father sacrifices His Son and He goes to us and He says, will you accept? Massive shift, massive shift. And being a father, and there's many in the room, you know your child is like, you know, it's your heart. And when you put him on the altar 
and you let him pay a price and you pay a price and everybody pays a price. When people come and they honor that offer, they honor that sacrifice, the Father's hand opens up. Let it flow. <laughs> let it flow because you're honoring my son. He attested, confirmed the message of the cross by that. So if you want to see more, live Jesus in your message. Live Jesus in the simplicity, the power and the simplicity of the gospel. Get a message that is consistent with the truth of salvation in your life. Try not to contradict. I'm speaking to myself as well. Don't contradict the message of salvation, that there's redemption, that nothing is impossible. Stay on that lane. And when disappointment comes, shake it off. Stick to the message. The message hasn't changed. There is no out in the message. I'm sorry. It is what it is. It is salvation. It is eternal life. We're getting it. We're going to go there. We will all be healed. We will all be healed, right? It's going to happen one day, but hopefully now as well. We're pulling the age to come into this day, but stick to the message of Jesus. Stick to that message and miracle signs and wonders. They, they gravitate towards that thing because they gravitate towards the King. Right? Everything in heaven gravitates around Jesus. Everything is around that lamb in Revelation 5 that walks out with the seven horns and the seven eyes. And he's called a lion. And you go, what? But everything centers around him. And when you make him the center of the message, those things draws in to the atmosphere, right? So make him the center. Next thing, point number one. Point number two is obviously faith. I don't even need to speak about it. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the evidence of things hoped for and the substance of things not yet received. David Hogan preached Hebrews 11.1 1 for, I think it was two years straight. Every single message, and he would go, the Lord's put a brand new verse in here for me. It is fresh, it's wet off the press. Page to Hebrews 11 verse one. Now faith is. And he didn't read the rest, he just stopped there. For two years, I would travel with him for weeks on end. Every single message, Hebrews 11 verse one, and it never got tired, I don't know why. It just never did. So faith... It is obviously the key, right? Risk and faith means risk. It means you take chances with stuff. And if there's one thing I wanna encourage you guys with is you must push the envelope a little bit more, right? You've gotta push a little bit extra than what you've been doing up to this point. That's for me as well. We always need to go a little bit beyond. And what I mean with this is we're standing in... Um, Mr. Jam Jam's Rondavel in Namakwe, right? And we're standing, we just, we did a seven day fast together as a team and uh, the poor, I will not use the term, but the poor younger people, the 20s, those 20, 20 age people, they really thought, all of them, they thought they're gonna die. And I'm like, you'll be okay. But we're my sugar levels. I'm like, you'll be fine, right? We'll raise you, just do it, <laughs> right? And... Um, <laughs> And they were fine, right? But they almost died. Tulani, you should have seen it. It was pitiful. Anyway, so, 
So the last night we're in the Rondavel and we're worshiping together, we're breaking fast. And man, the Holy Spirit shows up. Like, and it is thick. The presence is there. This little Rondavel in the middle of nowhere, right? Nothing of significance there except people that's worshiping Jesus. <laughs> that suddenly made it significant, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I'm standing there and I'm going like the Holy Spirit acts to, I'm just thinking, and the wind, right? The wind of the Spirit. And here's what I mean with push the envelope. I love us talking about it, but what if he is like a wind? Why can't we feel it, right? So what I'll do literally is I'll just stand and say, Lord, I thank you that the wind is coming. And then I'll put my hand, that's why you'll see me do stuff. I'll put my hand like that and I go, I want to feel it. You see, I'm pushing the envelope a little bit. I'm stepping into, I know there's scriptural truth, right? You've got to, you've got to catch this. There's scriptural truth, but I need a manifestation on earth. And the link is faith and the message. So you must push into that. Now, I know there's all kinds of weirdness that can come with that. That's why you're in a church and you have leadership. I'm sorry. <laughs> Robbie and then we'll sort it out. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't be silly though, right? But I'm standing there and I just go, whew, and I'm waiting and it's not coming. And I'm just going, it's got to come, right? And the next minute it comes. And all of them, you can ask Maurice, all of them, this wind just starts swirling through the room and there's no, it's not coming from the outside. It's not possible, right? And it keeps swirling so much so that the whole team goes, everybody's just quiet. They're just feeling this wind going through the room. Just swirling and it just keeps going, keeps going, keeps going until Abby farted. Holy moment gone. That was the wrong kind of a wind, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, Abby, <laughs> she's a little girl though, let me just put it in context. Yes. <laughs> anyway, my point is push the envelope, right? If you're praying for someone and you feel like there's an angel standing behind them, tell them to step into it and see what happens, right? You're not going to get it unless you actually put faith into action by saying, I'm going to try and see what happens when I do this. You must take risks. You have to. And that's what I want to say. We've got to lift that a little bit without getting weird. And now you go, but what if it doesn't work? Well, then you try again next time. It's as simple as that. Right? It's as simple as that. One of my... One of my ex so faith is in terms of pushing the envelope, but it's also in, it's a matter of what you believe. Right? Their belief is not so much the issue as what you believe. Uh, I was ministering in Vietnam one day. I'm going to keep it short. So I'm, I'm, Vietnam is communist, so it's underground churches. What that means is they will put you in prison if you worship Jesus. Right? And um, so we're preaching and everything is house church, but obviously it's, it's, everything is in secret. So you gather and then like these little Vietnamese people just start coming out of their holes and they run to this house and they worship. You know, it's, it, and it was probably the sweetest worship I've ever experienced in my life was on that third story building where you realize every single one of them, every single one of them is willing to go to prison for what they believe. But they're not not gonna worship. 
It's just rocked me. There's no instruments, no nothing because you can't make a noise. And we're just standing there and the voices just go up and I don't even understand a word we're singing, but you feel the weight. It's like almost like last night, just the clarity. It's so real. It's so real what we're doing in that room because there is no fluff. Because if they come, we're done. It's not a joke, you know. And in that, a, blind, a guy comes, he's blind in his one eye and he comes to me and he asks prayer. I'll never forget it. It made such an impact. It's not the most wow miracle we've ever seen, if I can put it like that. But he, he just blew my mind. Because that guy walked up when we asked for prayer and it's not like a charismatic bunch of people. That's what you would feel like, you know. It's not like these wild charismatics or anything. Just like he walks up, I'm like, do you want healing? He's like right in front. His eye's been blind for, I don't know, 34 years or something. One eye. I hardly touched him. Like I went, you know, I'm ready to contend now for this miracle. I went like this and the next minute he turns around and he walks. And I'm going like, dude, you know. And, he, and I ask a translator, what's up? And I, and I said, just ask him what happened. He's like, no, it's open. I'm going, What? <laughs> And he's just like, but he's almost looking at me like, what's wrong with you? Like Jesus said. It's open. And it really was. It's not like he's claiming it in faith. He just went, okay, done. I'm like, he's like, close the other eye. He's like, yeah, it's open, man. Like, what's wrong with you? Didn't you just preach? So faith in the fact that He wants to move is super important, right? It's critical for us to, you've got to believe that He wants to touch that person. And if He doesn't do it today, then He's going to do it tomorrow. And if it's not tomorrow, then the day after. And He's not doing it in this lifetime and He's going to do it in heaven, but I want to see it now. But that's how you see that miracle signs and wonders step in. It's just a stubbornness to stand in that thing and just say, you will bow now because of the authority of the cross. But you must bow now. The pain must leave now. And we've not arrived yet. None of, well, not me. I've seen some things, but we've not arrived yet. Right? I really need to see more. But we have seen some things. And I know every time when I step into that place and you just stand. And what do you do? I think it's Kenneth Hagen who famously said, if you stand for the word, the word will stand for you. Right? If you stand for the Word, the Word will stand for you. Right? So that was number two. Humility. Right? Humility is a key to carrying the supernatural. He opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. So you must stay humble, must keep the glory going to Him. The minute you touch that glory, He'll take it. Right? Humility when we do this thing. And the good news is that nothing humbles you like trying to administer miracles, signs, wonders, and healings. Because you're going to say it and it is not going to happen. You're going to heal five people of back pain and the one that you really want to see, they're going to go, uh, no, I mean, the Lord's healing them, right? And then that one doesn't get healed and you go, but, you know, it's like my wife, I wanted her to be better. So it tends to keep you humble anyway. But you must stay in that place of humility. So it's the message, it's faith, 
humility. There's obviously more, but those are the ones I quickly want to mention. And then it's just obedience, right? Because Moses had three situations with water problems, <laughs> right? The one he failed terribly. But the one he had to throw a branch into the bitter water to make it sweet, right? The next time he's facing a similar problem, there's a rock, which is what happens when you face sickness or disease or challenge. There's a rock standing there and the Lord says, I want you to touch this one with your rod, right? And Moses did what? He beat it, <laughs> right? Because he was angry at the people. But it's also a thing like you, you don't, the miraculous doesn't break through because of the rod, the authority in your hand. It's because of his word. You understand? Like that rod has performed miracle after miracle. And as humans, we want to go, this is the thing. And you want to, you know, you want to you beat it. And God says, just touch it. Right? So he's going against your human nature to perform what he wants to perform. He's challenging Moses the whole time to not be the person he actually wants to be because he's angry. <laughs> right? So just touch and he didn't, he beat it and, and, you know, things went south for Moses. The other time he had to whisper to it, a rock, and he just, Lord said, just speak softly to the rock and the water will come out. What's the point? It's never the same. It's never the same. But whatever he tells you to do, do it. Sometimes it's the declaration. It's almost always in words, right? How did he create? He spoke. So if you want to see miracles, you speak the miracle. You understand? You've got to speak that thing that you want to see into being. So you speak into that spine. You speak into that heart that's not there. You speak into that thing that's missing in somebody's body or in the business. You actually declare what you want to see. That's what miracles, that's how they form, right? It's through the declaration of the revelation we have from heaven over a certain situation, okay? And you speak it in faith, Okay? That's one way. The other way is touch, obviously. He was just supposed to touch it. So there is something about touch, right? That's why the laying on of hands is important. So there's something about touching and releasing that thing, putting your foot in that place. And then at other times it's throwing a branch into the water. That's about prophetic actions. It's like God asks you to do something and you go, huh? that doesn't make sense. I don't want to kiss that old tunny on the forehead, but he tells you to and you do it and then she gets healed and you go, that was, couldn't we find another way? <laughs> You know, nothing against Otanis, but, you know, I'm not the kissing kind. <laughs> right? So it's simple obedience in whatever he tells you, and you just do it, right? And you allow him to flow. Did that help? Yeah. Four things. How many was that? Three? Four? Hmm? I wanted to say three at the beginning. You see, we failed. You have eight. Okay. <laughs> That's why we're not, we're not writing a manual together, babe. <laughs> so, <laughs> right? So did you get that? It's so simple, sorry, but that's really how simple it is. Sometimes we want to make it this, it's not. It's the message, it's Jesus. Keep it Jesus, keep it simple, keep it on Him, keep the focus towards Him because the signs and wonders point to Him, that's the point. If it's pointing to you, we're missing it in any way. The miracles must release faith in Him. It must glorify Him, right? So it's that. It's faith, right? Now faith is. It's active. It's a present thing. It's happening now. Now it must happen. Now is real. It's that you believe that He wants to and also that, that you believe the Word, that you stand on the Word. What's the other? I don't know if the other ones now. Oh, it's the Moses thing. 
Obedience in that moment and humility. Right? Humility is key. Really. Don't don't miss humility. Okay? Because the problem is with miracles, they do tend to create hype around you. And unless you learn how to find that mountaintop every night and just cast it off when the people come running, you're going to fall. Right? The glory of man will take us down if we don't watch. But there's a simple boldness that must arise in us and push the envelope. Just push the envelope, right? Thank you for listening to this session. We hope that you were blessed by it. For more information about the ministry, go to www.aflame.co.za or find us on Facebook and Instagram under Aflame Ministries. Until next time, be blessed in Jesus' name.